Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. So Team TLC has been full of questions this week, so I thought I'd go ahead and do a podcast answering some of those. The first question was how to get your confidence back after you have a horse that just took it away from you by hitting barrels or alley issues or going up the fence, those kind of things. So to be honest with you, confidence is kind of like a light bulb in your own little mind and head and it's that inner voice that talks to you. My opinion is that God gives us fear to keep us safe, but we have to decide when we're being rational or when we're kind of in panic mode. So having some fear of around a 1200 pound horse is not uh, an uncommon sense kind of thing. You know, you do want to be cautious around an animal that big because at any point in time they could startle and, you know, knock you over and, or they can do something under saddle quick and, and leave you behind. And so it is something that you want to be aware and not get too casual around our horses, which we do because we're with them so often. We'll clean a foot without thinking about what if they spooked or you know, we hit a soft spot on a foot or something, or, you know, when we're in the saddle, we might be a looser ring talking to our friends and some birds fly out of the bushes and startle them. You just never know, or a tree branch breaks or something. You just need to be cautious when you're on horses. So getting back to how do you get your confidence, I find for riders that have been either had a horse buck them off or bolt with them or uh, do something bad on the pattern with them and steal their confidence that, that way. Um, the best thing to do is get back into groundwork with your horse. Start at the bottom, get that connection, get that bond back, get where you can have them go left, right, forward, backward, yield the back end, yield the front end, side pass, put their head down. Um, calm down, stop on the word whoa, just off your voice, and then maybe a little body language changing. Start at the bottom, desensitize them with ropes, whips, slickers, anything and everything you can think of. And then when you get in the saddle, start with the basics. Start with face flexing, left, right, and down. Start with walking perfect circles, then maybe perfect figure eights. Then start with some transitions from walk, whoa, sit, jog, walk, stop, um, post-trot, jog, walk, stop. Start with simple things. Um, do figure eights from a post-trot to a sit-jog. Uh, do some circles that require some spirals. Um, maybe a uh, long trot to the corners of, of each part of your pasture arena. Sit-jog for rate and just do circle work. And so eventually what will happen, and even even before that, make sure you have a one rein stop that your horse can disengage their hindquarters. Um, know that you can get your horse to pay attention to you if they get scared. Um, so again, start with groundwork, then make sure you've got buttons in the saddle and stay in a confined area where you feel comfortable, a small arena or a round pin. Um, and then when you, if it's for people that are having problems on the pattern, you may have to go back and walk the pattern for a long time and redo those muscle memory in the horse's mind that it's not going to hurt or be scary anymore. You may have to haul in only exhibition at a walk, trot, or gait. And this may have to happen for months. You know, sometimes it takes a year to fix a problem horse. So if that's not something you're willing to do, you may be better off to build, build, move on to another horse that 
that gives you confidence and doesn't take it away from you. That's easier to ride on the pattern. So remember, when you have a horse that has alley issues or pattern problems, they're not going to be fixed overnight. They have to be rehabilitated. You have to start at ground zero and work your way back. There's no way you can just keep competing. It's the definition of crazy, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. You just can't. You have to redo your program. You have to start from scratch and start over. Um, so I hope that helps you, but I do know that ladies that have come to me with confidence issues, if they do the dry work, they do the drills, they've already accomplished the groundwork, the bonding, there comes a place where your team building comes back with your horse and you gain that confidence back. So it is your own personal light bulb. It is your own little gut feeling and, and conversation, that little inner voice in you. And, um, and it really does come down to that. So that's my first question. I hope that was helpful. Um, my next question was, let's see here. The uh, rider wants to know if um, their horse is a very hot horse, um, but they don't have anywhere to ride except their backyard in, in a pasture. Uh, what's a good way to keep them in shape but keep them from getting bored? Um, and honestly, when you have a hot horse, the more walking and sit jogging you do, the better. So just like I mentioned on the confidence horse, you can put ground poles on the ground and you can lunge them over ground poles. You can walk and jog them over ground poles. Um, you can set up your own obstacle course in your property and, and have them go over things and through things like pool noodles or tarps. Um, you can do creative stuff. You can... Um, Spend time on your getting your, your horse relaxed. See if they'll do my three circle drill, nose in, nose out, vertical flexion. Um, you can do some leg laterals, two tracking, figure eights. Um, you can take and um, think of being a reining horse one day and work on your 360s um, or your different size circles at different speeds. Um, think of being an English horse one day and transition into a long trot, into a half halt, to a sit jog and, and kind of mix things up or draw an X through your arena off of just leg pressure, leg and rein pressure, do um, lateral motions. Um, there's so much you can do. You should never get bored. I could think of a hundred things to do in my backyard with my horse. Um, my horse, you know, I want them relaxed, one. Number two, I don't want a horse to feel like they have, um, you know, you don't probably love every minute of every day of your job, and they may not either. They're lazy animals. They might rather be hanging out with their pasture buddies, eating grass, taking a nap in the sun. But bottom line is, you're only asking for 30, 40 minutes, three to five days a week, and you need to do that in order to compete on the weekend. I have a three ride rule. If I didn't work with my horse three times that week, they're not physically fit or mentally prepared to go to the barrel race, nor are you as a team. So whether you lunge them, pony them, or ride them, which I prefer to ride them, open horses, I might mix it up more, but you can just have uh, 10 minutes of a relaxed pasture ride and then do some dry work and then pick a drill and then um, maybe walk perfect barrels and then cool them back down and be done. You can mix it up and, and have a different schedule. Monday, I'm gonna do a one hour trail ride. Tuesday, I'm gonna work on just dry work, controlling my hip and shoulder and face and knowing my hoof placement. Uh, Wednesday, I'm gonna do drills where I can do perfect circles every size at a walk and a trot and my horse is relaxed. Um, 
uh, Thursday, I might find something different to do with it. Maybe I'll do my groundwork or maybe I'll do um, track some cows or something like that. And then maybe I'll give them Friday off because I'm going to go barrel racing on Saturday. And then maybe Sunday I'll do a trail ride again. So it doesn't have to be boring. You can make it fun. The thing with a hot horse is you don't want to do a lot of loping. You want to do a lot of collection work, softening work, a lot of back to basics work. I know 1D barrel horses and my own personal horses as well. Never ever needed to see the pattern more than once or twice that week and only at a walk. I would show them, maybe I'd post trot to the barrel, stop, walk around it. I would show them or even just walk the pattern and show them exactly where I wanted. If I had a hot horse, it was just walking. Um, If my horse was more chill, it might be post trot, stop, walk. But I show them exactly where my arc is, exactly my spot one, two, and three I want them in and how I want their body positioned, where I want their foot placement. And that was enough. And I might do that on the way back in from a trail ride. And that was enough. So what it does is it gives me confidence that I know where my spots are, that I'm communicating that with my horse with a go cue, a rate cue, and a turn cue, and that my horse knows where I want them to. So that when I go full blast and I ask them to come back to me, they do. And when I specifically pick a spot, they go there. So again, you don't need to waste runs on your horse, especially if you have a hot horse. You don't need to be sprinting them out in the pastures you don't need to do a lot of loping on them you can do a lot of quiet riding sure you may need to do some long trotting or some loping for lung conditioning but again you have to know your horse and if you have a hot horse um, I can tell you if you pay for a biomechanics lesson $85 an hour they will have you working out like yoga where you never go above a walk but you're riding collected you know, whether, whether it's on the vertical and getting that hindquarters up underneath them and lifting that top line, or maybe on the vertical with a slight lateral to the left or a slight lateral to the right, you'll be sweating and your horse will be sweating. So don't end, underestimate the value of collection work at a slow speed. So I hope that answers that question. And just be creative. It could possibly be your board, not the horse. So um, just be creative. And... Um, Let's see this one here. If I don't feel ready to enter um, for me and my horse, how would I know that I'm that I am? So here's the thing: when you're when you know you have me coaching you and I'm critiquing you, and maybe you're you're trying to get yourself physically in shape, and maybe you're trying to get your horse super super solid, and you just don't want to have mistakes. Well. My thing is, if your horse starts working really good at home and you feel good about where they're at, but you're not sure how it's going to be at a show, you could always just go exhibition and see. But if you have already been entering, but I pointed out stuff that you need to fix um, in your holes in your foundation, doesn't mean you can't do that during the week and be disciplined Monday through Friday about the things that you're working on, but then just go have fun on the weekend, let it all hang out and, you know, add the tools that you're adding, like riding to your spots and communicating with your horse, with your cues properly and see if you're making progress. And I will guarantee you, guarantee you, if you spend two weeks doing the slow work that I tell you to do at a walk and a trot, you will see performance improvement and competition. I've seen it for so many years and, um, 
And you won't think it's happening because you're only walking and trotting, but you're getting control of the shoulder and the rib and the hip, and you're perfecting your circles, and you're getting your communication line with your horse super sensitive and you will see the difference in competition I promise you so um so and it, here's the deal if it goes good then celebrate if you have a mistake you learn from your mistake if you have a loss you learn from the loss and then you go back to the drawing board board on Monday it's just the way it is so but don't don't let being perfect prevent you from going and having fun with your horse You know, if you're having big problems, like some dangerous bad habits, that's a different story. But if we're just talking about moving up divisions from the 4D to the 3D, something like that, just go enjoy it and and enjoy your wins and work on your losses and just keep being disciplined Monday through Friday. So I hope that's helpful. Um, This one wants to know what can the difference be? Um... And I, my, my horse ran three tenths different from Friday to Saturday. And literally, um, it put me from the 1D to the 2D and, and was wondering, you know, how do I keep that more consistent? Well, it's basically a fire and rim thing. You know, it always makes a difference. It's three tenths can disappear by just going deep on one barrel. Three tenths can disappear by not having fire out of one barrel and not running as hard between the barrels. So if you're only, you know, off maybe three tenths and, you know, a three day show from your runs, you're still being very consistent. So it's just you know, it's a goal. Like if you can, one of our per- people in our group, she ran three 14 nines this weekend and tipped one barrel out of all three runs. That is super consistent. Those are all three 1D runs with 400 riders. That's phenomenal. Now the other rider, um, out of state, both are out of state, uh, was, uh, in, uh, Texas and Texas is very salty and that's three tenths difference. And that there was strictly because I watched the fit video side by side is the horse had slight more fire and, um, had a little bit tighter around second and third. So that right there is your difference. And, you know, we're not always going to be perfect. All we can do is strive for that. So you're just talking literally 12 inches around second and third and just a slight more fire home made the difference of three tenths. It's just an amazing thing. One Mississippi, you can say it so fast, but one tenth of a second can disappear so quickly. So anyway, so don't be too hard on yourself. Just try to know where your spots are and, um, and just try to be in the moment when you're competing. And that's all you can do, honestly, to get that fire and that rim. You know, everybody's in it to win it and you're giving your best every time. And, you know, that's why you don't see the same person win every single time. It's just a very competitive, hard thing to do. It doesn't look difficult when you watch it, but it's really um, quite challenging when it comes to timing and feel and positioning when you're going full blast on a horse. So. I know you'll be able to do it, and I'm excited to watch your progress. Um, I know the writer that asked this question. So um, the next thing is, um, how do I uh, create softness um, in my horse? So to me, the most important thing for creating softness is really getting control of those body parts. And you can just do it out on a trail ride. You can be casually walking and talking with your friends and then start doing some face flexing left, right, and down. You can start doing some leg yielding around bushes and trees or in between 
um, you know, things. You can just mix it up while you're out there and you're still working on your horse. You can ride them vertically up into the bridle for a uh, collected walk and then do a loose rein extended walk. You can do a collected sit jog and then a loose rein post trot. You can just mix it up out in the pasture. You don't even have to do it in an arena to keep your horse fresh and to not let them get bored and just kind of change up your environment. So um, I hope that's helpful. Let's see here. The writer asked um, what they should do as far as a training bit and a competition bit. They're not really sure. So if your competition bit is something like, let's say it doesn't slide much and it's got a lot of shank on it, then I would go ahead for my training bit, I'd get something that maybe slides a little bit more and um, and has less shank. So let's say you're in a, um, a D11, for instance, the Carolina bit that doesn't slide much and has equal purchase and shank of maybe two, three inches. Then I might go to a Hollis chain bit that slides like a O-ring snaffle or even ride in an O-ring or D-ring, whatever you're comfortable in, and split reins. I prefer to do all my slow work in like an S-hack or an O-ring and split reins. That way I can loosen my reins and get out of their face. If you're training in your competition bit, you're probably going to be in their face because your reins are so short when you're walking and having your chin strap or uh, pressure on your reins, I mean on the mouth at all times. So I would definitely try to um, get comfortable in longer reins if you don't like split reins. Just have a pair of braided reins that you can make longer Um, and and have a bit that's for, you know, like I'll do an S-hack for training and a Jim Warner hack for competition, you know, just have something that's more, more light and mild to get more bend and suppleness in your slow work. And then have something that has more, um, rate if you need it in competition. Some of you won't, some of you can compete in a S hack like I do, or a beetle hack or an, uh, an O-ring. You don't need to have, have more bridle, but you can change out your reins though. You can have long reins for slow work and short reins for competition. So that's what I would highly recommend. Okay, the next question is, do I prefer after a run ice boots or poultice? I tend to like to hose my horse down no matter what. Now, if it's cold out, you can't hose them out, but I would do maybe ice boots over poultice personally if you have them. Um, I have professional choice frozen ice boots in my um, freezer and I just throw them in the ice chest and then they go right underneath my combination boots. After my run, I can just put them on under my boots and ice my horse's legs down for a few minutes. Some of you might have those fancy machines. Yay for you, but the ice boots work great. Um, and if you don't have ice boots, poultice will work too, like a sort of more with a arnica in it or my miracle clay makes a nice poultice. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there with essential oils in them and the calcium bentonite as the uh, base. So, but definitely cold hose and ice is my preference. Um, to protect those tendons and ligaments from inflammation and soreness after a run. Um, let's see here. The next question um, slow down. Okay. Um, my horse has been making the same mistake, um, over and over for raiding down on the barrels. 
So my recommendation would be to slow down and maybe even exhibition only for a little while. So at home, go back to basics, see if your woe is broken, see if your rate and your transitions are broken, see if you can keep them on a loose rein in a collected slow circle. Um, do lo- loose rein riding where they're working off your seat more, loose rein woe, all of those things. Make sure that horse will rate off your body. Um, those are all really, really important things. And um, and then when you do go back to barrel racing at, at home, when you um, walk or trot to the first barrel and you sit and say, whoa, if they don't stop on a loose rein, you need to back them up. And I wouldn't exhibition or enter until they do it correctly at home. Um, if they're not rating down on a loose rein at home, you have no business entering anyways. So um, I would definitely do that first and get my woe back. I'd get my rate, my loose rein woe and rate back. If I don't have that, then I would do exhibition and slow work until I did. So I hope that's helpful. And always, always rule out pain, you guys. Pain can come from many sources. It can come from saddle fit. It can come from stomach ulcers, lungs bleeding, teeth that need to be floated, sore feet, sore backs, sore hocks. So um, have a team of professionals that you count on that you can go to. Um, your sports medicine vet, your chiropractor, your massage therapist, your farrier. Um, And, you know, I would always start with my sports med vet. They've got the education and the career when I'm not really sure physically what's going on and let them do a lameness evaluation. Tell them what you're dealing with and see if they can find out why. And then you can decide your treatment if you wanna go RX or holistic and, and then you can, you know, definitely at least be informed and even get a second opinion. The second opinion could be very much the same opinion, but it will give you peace of mind that two of vets agreed. Because often more times than not, you can ask five trainers, five, five farriers and five vets their opinions, and they all might vary. And then as the owner, as the caretaker, you have to decide what's best for your baby, for your four-legged children. So, um, you know, just, just do your homework on that. So you cannot pain train is what I'm trying to say. So if you're dealing with a rate issue, it could very well be a pain issue as well as with anything like going up the fence, ducking pattern, alley issues, you know, it could also be rider nerves. It could be horses nerves. It could be lack of training. It could be holes in foundation. That's what makes barrel racing so challenging because it's like a puzzle and you have to kind of go through it all. That's why there can't be just one fix for everything. There can't just be a magic bit or a magic drill. You have to look at every piece of the puzzle. Nutrition on up to your professional helpers, all of that. So let's see here. Um, Alleyway. Let's see here. Um, Okay. My horse and I were up at the alleyway and um, We were next in the draw, but someone went out of order and cut me off, and it really messed with my head, and then I got out of position. When I ran to first, my horse and I got too hot, and I tipped the barrel leaving, so how would I recenter myself? Um, when something like that happens. Well, we've all been in that shoe when we're at a super show, possibly where maybe the timer breaks or the uh, barrel stakes get pulled up or maybe someone does run out of order or there's an injury in the arena or maybe you're on the long drag and they're watering and dragging and you're stuck in the holding pen. You've got to know your horse. If you can't 
get them to settle, you may be better just to hop off and hand walk them in small circles till they relax. Um, sometimes you're better just to stand next to them. Sometimes you can just find a little corner in the holding pen and sit there quietly and pet them and talk to them and tell them good job and maybe sing a song or clear your mind um, where you're not thinking about your run and your horse doesn't sense the urgency coming up and just try to think about something else as you tell them everything's fine. You can even face flex left and right if they're a nervous uh, horse that maybe head shakes or whatever you can face flex laterally to your foot um, as you're in the saddle there's certain things you can do and then wait until you can tell that they're about ready to go again and then see your run through your mind again then clear your head talk to your horse pet your horse tell them they're a good boy good girl they we've got this and then exhale all the way to those feet and um as you start to approach that alleyway, keep forward motion, stay relaxed, ride one hand if you have to, you know, till you get to the alleyway and then two hands um, and keep that forward motion, relax and think of your two things that are most important to you. For me, it was always riding to my spot one and two. So as I'm going down that alleyway, I line up with third, I find my arc and I think spot one, spot two, everything else, I just ride in the moment and try to be on feel. Because, you know, we just don't know, is our horse going to fire really hard? Are they going to um, lollygag out there? And we can't be too too um, too mechanical or we'll get behind our horse or get ahead of our horse. So we really have to be in the moment and know when to hustle them up or back them off or when to, you know, ask or leave them alone. So that's the part that you don't want to be thinking of. You just want to visualize how you plan to handle that pin and then the two most important things in your run and the rest just be in the moment and that's how you get confidence that's how you get mental toughness that's how you teach yourself to get back into your zone the ability to let it go to recenter to visualize to be positive to pet your horse connect to your horse and then to think of your two most important things as you clear your mind and be in the moment and that is truly mental toughness, not letting any outside sources in, not worrying about things you can't control, um, and dealing with adversity. You have to be able to handle change, and that's just part of it, and that's something that you eventually learn how to do. And when you find yourself nervous, clear that out. Just say, look, I'm, not, I'm nervous because I wanna do well, so let's say I'm just excited. My horse and I are excited. This is what we do for fun. We love it, we're passionate. We wanna do well, but the way that I do well is by keeping my horse relaxed and keeping myself focused on doing my job. And you will learn to be mentally tougher when you do that. Okay, so let's see here. <laughs> the next question is, um, how it, should I be exhibitioning my horse? Um, you know, and um, that's a tough one because it's going to be um, based on the individual. If you have a horse that um, is skittish, they might not like shadows or ruts around the barrels. So you might want to get there early and be sure you've got them warmed up good and maybe buy extra exhibitions so that they can just take it all in. Um, if your horse is further along and they're a hotter horse, you're going to focus on doing slow exhibitions and stopping at your rate spot and relaxing, looking for that lick and chew or that exhale or cocking of a leg. Um, again, get there early for that horse so you're not rushed and pushed. Um, if you have a stiff horse, 
you may go ahead and do an extra circle or two around the barrel if it's allowed and really work on flex and fluidity. If you have a horse that anticipates the barrel, then you may want to go ahead and give them an extra foot going in and on the backside so that they um, are thinking give you room and ride their hindquarters up into the turn, not to anticipate and turn at the shoulder. Um, if you have a horse that's not finishing their barrels, you're going to want to leave that barrel tight and move over right away, um, over-exaggerate finishing the barrel. So again, you just base it on your individual horse and their need um, as far as how many tickets to buy. Um, if you're a novice horse, uh, two to four, depending on the individual. If you're an open horse, they shouldn't need to exhibition. You may want to walk them up and show them the arena um, just to let them see it. Again, that depends on your individual horse. Some don't need to get up there until they're dragged so they don't get all excited and then you have to bring them back down again. Others, you may want to walk up there and let them see the pen in advance and just kind of take it in. So again, you need to know your individual horse and you'll have to make notes of that in your journal or your barrel racer record keeper, what's working, what's not working so you can make constant improvements. Um, I hope that's helpful. Um, someone had a question on nutrition. Um, what's the best hay to feed for a barrel horse? They've heard alfalfa, but then they've also heard grass hay. And personally, I do a very holistic diet. I've been with Dynamite Equine, um, Dynamite Specialty Products for about 15 years. And they believe in 80% grass, 20% alfalfa, and that's due to the protein content. If you get excess protein in a horse, you will notice that they get boogers in their eyes, boogers in their nose. Um, their stall might be saturated with urine. Um, they can kind of get overkill on the protein. So protein usually comes with excess calcium and excess calcium can suppress magnesium, which is good for the muscles and the lungs and calming for horses as well. So that's why balance is key. So at the very least be 50-50 of maybe Timothy or orchard hay and then alfalfa, but 80-20 is what Dynamite recommends um, and quality hay, not your coastals or any of the cheaper um, hays out there. You know, they need the grass hay for forage for the fiber, but they, um, and I'm a big forage person. I believe if you feed quality hay, you can do low feed or no feed diet. So I like to just do um, like soaked pellets to get them their vitamin, um, their chelated amino acid vitamins and minerals from dynamite. I'll just do that on the soaked pellets. Um, if I want to spoil them, I may throw a little bit of high fat, low starch feed in there just uh, instead of giving them apple treats or cookies. And it just makes them excited to eat their soaked pellets um, because there's a little bit of the feed in there. But um, I do that till I can get them their vitamins and minerals and their prebiotic Dynapro and, um, and just one ounce of vitamins and two cc's of the prebiotic on top of the soaked pellets with quality hay and mine are all um, healthy very healthy and easy keepers that way so you will have hard keepers out there so you may have to increase their hay more you may have to consider a, a, a little bit more feed for that particular horse or a higher fat supplement for them um, so again, it's an individual thing, but as far as forage goes, I'm all for quality hay, not skimping on it. Get something high in nutritional value. I do not think a straight alfalfa diet is balanced. I think balance is the key word here. And that's why I try to do orchard and alfalfa 
and their grass pasture, which my grass here isn't a lot and it's not a lot of high quality so it's more just for boredom purpose I guess for them to have something to munch on um, but I do hay three times a day some people can't do that so you may want slow feeders or something like that where you have hay out to your horses more often um, it's completely uh, up to the individual and your situation and obviously different hay in different parts of the country um, in Colorado I fed Timothy in Florida I do orchard and alfalfa but everybody has their differences in their areas um, and I'm not a huge fan of the coastal hay here in Florida um, you know vets say you can get colic impactions on it and I think if a horse is raised on it that's one thing and it's the same with peanut hay it's more like a legume like an alfalfa a little bit is fine but a strict diet of 100% and I would say that's not balanced either um, so I really do feel like it's all about balance it's the same with us if you just ate steak all the time and no chicken or fish or vegetables or if you just ate vegetables all the time I mean you have to have a balance of everything healthy carbs your proteins whatever it just has to be balanced and that's what people have to think about um, okay so next question hard to put the bit on um, I had a couple of those this last week, interesting enough, one at a clinic and then one a client in the group. Um, so if you have a horse that's really hard to put their bit on and you know it's not a tooth problem, that it's something, maybe a past issue, that horse, you may want to um, try to start with just your halter. Try to start with a head down cue. Try to start with a head down and come around to the side cue where you can control their face at all times. So you want to have a head down pressure cue, whether it's from the top of their head, the side of their head, or their lead rope, but be able to put their head down. And then you're going to want to um, start with something they allow you to put on their head um, that doesn't bother them so much. Maybe um, a head stall with a side pull on it, not a bit. Um, maybe get some Dynaspark that tastes really good because it's organic blackstrap molasses and put some in your hand, let them lick it off your hand or put some in syringe and put it in their mouth and get where they like it and they want to have it and then put some on the bit and let them lick it off the bit. And then they, maybe on cue, you'll be able to, now that you've got a head down cue and they actually like the bit because it tastes good, they'll start to keep their head in place and let you slide the bit into their mouth. Would I use band-aids like a tie down to keep the head down? Would I use a strong tall man to do it? Um, no, all of those things are strictly band-aids. They're not gonna get it done every single time. I would spend a few minutes every single day on breaking it down more to where I could get my hand to go quickly over their ears or wherever the issue is um, for at least one second, just quickly go by their head. I would be able to put my, my horse's head down and keep it there um, and just keep repeating it and repeating it because that's something you want to fix. It could be very dangerous. A horse that throws her head can knock you out in a heartbeat. So you don't want a horse that's defiant about putting on a halter or a bridle or scared because they can quickly give you a black eye or knock you out. I had a friend that happened to and it's not a good thing. So definitely get that fixed. Start with a head down cue and then break it into smaller pieces and try to find a happy medium with that horse.
okay? And you never know. They may even be a horse that likes to run. Check their tongue. They might be a horse that likes to run in a hackamore, but check their tongue too. I've seen horses that have tongues split in half due to a bit accident, and those horses do not want to take a bit again because they remember, you know, maybe someone tied them in a bit and they cut their tongue in half. Who knows? But I've seen some ugly, scarred-up tongues. So, um... Kind of try to figure out why it, the problem is there and then try to um, break it into pieces to get their confidence and calmness to do it. Um, okay, so another one, and I think this is, I'm about done with my questions, but another one was a uh, rider asked why uh, they wish that I could be at their barrel races. And I'll tell you what, I've been doing this a long time and I've been a coach a long time. And while I may not be able to be at every barrel race all over Florida and now with my coaching group, it's all over the United States, I can still be there with you in your mind. I'm that little voice in the back of your head um, that tells you to um, exhale, to visualize your run, to think about your spots to clear your mind and just those two things to be in the moment. Um, you know, I'm that person that's there for you when you get to the barrel race and you need to, to analyze your, your situation of the arena, you go up and you, you enter and you make a plan for the arena. I'm that small voice that's telling you to decide what your horse may be thinking out there and how you might have to cue if a barrel's out in the open or a barrel's on the fence. Um, I'll, I'll be that little voice that tells you to visualize your run. I'll be that voice that tells you how to get yourself centered and in the zone um, and get focused before you run. Um, you know, it's all those little things as you're clearing your mind and exhaling and going to the alleyway. I'll be that one saying, ride to your spots. And I'll also be that one saying, woohoo, at the end when you have an awesome run. So I am there for you. And even though I may not be in person, I am there in your mind with these talks that we have and in spirit I'm there as your coach as your cheerleader and wanting you to succeed so so anyways thanks for tuning into my podcast and if anybody has any more questions just shoot them on over to me thank you and as always ride with heart